0: Welcome to the From Battle to Business podcast. In this podcast, business coach and fellow veteran, Dean Van Dyke, will bridge the gap between service and civilian life, helping guide veteran business owners to supercharge their business and unlock hidden profits. You wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business. Let's get to it. Well, welcome back. This is from Battle to Business with your host, Dean Van Dyke. And today I'd like to welcome Ed from Lending for Living. Ed's an experienced and respected professional in the mortgage industry with over 25 years of experience as the founder and CEO of Lending for Living. He has a passion for helping clients navigate the complex process of purchasing a home with ease and understanding. Ed's best-selling book, Financial Freedom, Building Personal Wealth Through Homeownership, provides practical advice and insights on how to create personal wealth through real estate investment. With his unique perspective as a proud veteran of the United States Navy, Ed is committed to empowering his clients to achieve their financial aspirations and build personal wealth through real estate investment. Ed's an inspiration to those in the mortgage industry and a true asset to the to those who seek his guidance. Welcome, Ed. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. So give us a little bit about your background and how you became an expert in the mortgage industry and in the home buying process. All right, a little bit about
1: my background. Like you said, I was, uh, you said proud Navy. It's funny how they put all those words in for you. But, you know, when you're in, you didn't you necessarily can't say you were proud to be in. But when they didn't get out, you look back, it's like, you know what? That was a great time. I learned a lot. I was able to get my bachelor's and master's while I was in. So I could use that for the you know, for my business side. And that's helped me out a lot. But if you look back at my, I use it 25 years, lending for living has only been around probably 10 years. But okay. I've been in this industry for over 25 years, and I actually fell into the industry down in Southern California. I was uh, working with when I first got out. I was working for a computer company, and I and I got all the computers through all the military exchange systems that you could customize. You know, it was a whole thing that wasn't there at one time, and created all this whole thing. And then my neighbor had a mortgage company, and I was like, "Let's try that." And I love numbers. I love helping people get them into homes, because mo- for most people it changes the dynamic of the family going forward once Mm -hmm. you own a home, because now then your parents own a home or you can own a home and then they keep going. Cause a lot of people don't even think they can own a home and they're, and they're questioning it. And us as veterans, we can buy a home with no money down and it's a great program, but for everybody else, there's
0: such, there's other programs for them too. And that's what I've been working on. So, wow. So how, so, tell us how you leverage your military experience to better serve your clients and deliver value to them. Well, as you know, as veterans,
1: we're very direct. So it works very, works very well in my industry because you have to tell people this is the way it is. And this is what you can do to fix it. Or, you know, that, and so I'd say probably 90% of the clients you talk to like that side, they want to know what they need to do and move on. So I've used everything from, and also our attention to detail. I mean everything you learn in the military you you use in business and that's why I think so many veterans become such great business owners, right? Because we you we attention to detail, we SOPs, we know all the things that we learned mm-hmm. in the service and we bring it into business. But regular businesses didn't have it, they don't even know what an SOP is, right? But they love one once you put it together so that they understand the you know standard practices. So,
0: oh, absolutely. So the I mean what is the, I mean, just the, the mortgage industry today, you, you know, there's a lot in the news. What is, for a, a future home buyer? what's one of the biggest challenges for them in the current state of the mortgage industry? Current
1: interest rates. That would be the biggest challenge because when I got into this business, I was pick, taking people from uh, 13 to 9 and they loved me. In the past, from in from 19, 2019 through to 2021, October-ish, we had very low rates. And if you didn't give somebody under 3%, they thought that you were taking advantage of them. And the reason we had such low interest rates is because we were in a time in our history where they thought we all were going to die, right? Mm-hmm. And sure. so that's that recession period, when you look back, that was a recession. But people didn't realize that it was in self-inflicted where we shut everything down and it was a recession. And that's why rates were so low. Rates are low during periods of time of uncertainty, Iraq war, nine 11, all those Mm. periods of time where rates were really low. And so right now people are going, well, during that period of time, a $700,000 home, my payment was uh, $3,000 a month. Now a $400,000 home is $3,000 a month. Right? So that's the biggest thing is the difference in the payment because people got, I don't want to say spoiled, but We'd never seen those rates in the existence of having rates, in ever.
0: No, it's so, true.
1: And when you go from a three percent to a seven and a quarter in, in six months, that's four you know four percent increase in rates, or four you know actual four percentage points. Four points, yeah. Yeah, that's and that's self again was a self inflicted thing from shutting down certain things that I don't want to get political, but it is very political right now where. A lot of the stuff that was done from the beginning is what caused the inflation to go forward and get us to where we are now.
0: No, I, yeah, we don't need to get into politics right now, but I absolutely agree with what you're, what you're saying. And one of the things you talk about is financial literacy when it comes to real estate education and what, how important is that for, you know, not only future home buyers but just everyone in general. Oh, it's huge. It's to a point where the reason,
1: all right, so I, I started a radio show in 2018. And one of the reasons I started the radio show is they there used to be a show years years back, I guess, that talked about real estate. Well, my whole purpose was to educate people why they should buy a home and how mm-hmm. it changes the dynamic. Because if you look at from 2004 to 2006, there was a huge rise up and they were using all these unique programs. And then we had a huge financial crisis for the next mm-hmm. I don't want to say decade, but in our area, 2008, December was the bottom of the market for us, but people saw their family lose homes, right? The kids during that period of time, when I started that radio show, were coming of age to buy a home and they wow. didn't want to because they saw their parents had lost a home and they saw the pressure and the stress and all that. When in reality, that was a unique time in our history that will never repeat itself. And mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh, we're going to have a bubble right now. Totally two separate entities. Right now, the issue right now has to do with we have lack of homes. Because of 2008, we didn't build homes for 10 years It could eat up all those additional homes we built during that period of time. Wow. And what happened was, I'm going to go a little deep now. Uh, if you go back, so the average age for someone to buy their first home is about 31 years old. Some people do it earlier, like my son just closed on his a week or so ago, and it was, he's 22 Well, that's because his dad told him and he's, and he's a vet. So when his next duty station, when he transferred out of Alaska, you're going to buy because why rent? And plus, when you're in, they give you almost enough money to actually make your payment. So you might as well use that. So during, let me take a drink real quick. So if you go back from 2008, 2006 to 2008, 31 years, that was Roe versus Wade came in. And for the next decade, it plummeted birth rates. All right. So you fast forward during that period of time where they're building all these homes, these programs we had actually made it like we needed all those homes. Anybody could buy two and three homes if you had a pole so you didn't have to prove income. If you watch the movie, The Big Short, and there's a scene where he's in a strip club talking to a stripper and she's like, I'm closing on my fourth house. He's like, how are you as a stripper with cash being able to buy a home? You know, And that's the pro- that was the problem, those programs that were put into place. A lot of the programs that people use for regular wage earners, that's somebody who knows exactly what they're going to make day in and day out, Mm -hmm. whether they're hourly wage or salary, they use the business programs for them. And that's not what those programs were meant for. World Savings had this program called a -a pick-a-pay, had it for 30 years, never had an issue until some of the other lenders saw that program and said, hey, let's do it for everybody else. Oh, wow. And that's, you know, that and 100% financing. It was, it was just a financial issue that came forward. And we had, so when people were going into home tracks, they were building all these homes. People were buying two and three homes, right? So that the builders like, Hey, we need these homes. We need these homes. They're, they're buying them every as soon. And that's how we overbuilt during that period of time, because of what happened 30 years earlier. That's okay. Awesome. And then it took us a decade to get through all those homes. So we didn't build anything. And now we're on the other side of that going, we need to build. We need 17 million homes to be built over the next decade to get caught up. That's 1.7 million a year of, and that's just not homes. That's, that's doors, right? That's multifamily, that's apartments, Mm -hmm. that's everything. We're at like 0.1, not, you know, nine, we're nowhere close to where we need to be. So every year that we're not to that 1.7, we're adding to that number. And that's our problem
0: right now. Oh, I mean, the, with the, I mean, up here we're, you know, because
1: well, that's a the, different
0: story. You didn't ask me about Washington. <laughs> yeah, well, Washington. Well, there's a few factors going on here, and I, reading about it daily is, one is our property taxes are forcing a lot of the seniors who are, live on a fixed income out of their house, and, but up here it's we have a lack of houses as well. Right. And, you are,
1: and you're the 50th state in the in the nation on house going. You know where other states are number one, like to go and get the house,
0: you're 50th, unfortunately. Well, our <laughs> let's not get into all the zoning stuff that you gotta fight to get through to, to build a house. Oh, we don't even get me there because you want the worst place is California. I mean, it's oh.
1: ridiculous. Yeah, it takes us an average of 15 to 20 years to get, it. from the moment you think about it, you wanna start a track till you be able to put it down to average 15 to 20 years. Wow. That's our problem in California. When, and you, on taxes, right? So in California, we have Prop 13, which means whatever your value of your home goes up a year, the max they can raise it is 3% of that value. Okay, so okay. that's Prop 13 for us. They've been trying to get, away, get that gone for years with their, and we fight it because that's what protects us. If you look at Texas, Texas has a, th- and we only have one and a quarter on average property tax in California. So it's not that bad. Texas has 3% so that means that's 3,000 for every 100,000. The difference mm-hmm. in Texas is whatever your value goes up that year, you can they can add on 10% onto your tax base. So every 10 years your taxes double. Okay. Right? In California, it takes a long time for your taxes to double at 3%. Right. Sure. Almost right? Almost 30 years. But if you look at then also in if you have a rental property in California, it's at the same tax rate. As the other, it doesn't you know it doesn't go up as much. Texas, there is no cap each year on your rental property. Wow! So like in Austin, Texas, where everybody went there and bought all these Airbnbs, they've been on the market for the last year or so because you know think about it and just it, they doubled in, in price over a couple year period, and now their taxes doubled. Well, it doesn't really pencil to try to rent that Airbnb when your taxes are doubling. Wow.
0: Well, that's what the that's I won't get into the Airbnb stuff right now, but
1: (laughs) But what I'm getting at is when you go to make a decision where to live, Mm -hmm. you have to look at a lot of things. Yes, California, we have horrible politics, right? But it can change. It changed before it can do it again. The way that's going through it, it, people need pain in order for things to change. Right. That's why this last election where they said there's going to be a red wave. I'm like, no, there's not. There wasn't, kind of nobody pain. had, nobody understood what inflation was. It hadn't been here in 42 years. How are they going to understand what it means? It didn't affect them because they kept giving all this money to all these young people and everybody, my son got three checks in Alaska and he didn't even live in California, right? Wow. From California. They just sent them out to everybody. And so the, pro, you know, so that's our issue in California is, is the pain. Well, we're getting a lot of pain right now. The, uh, the country's getting a lot of pain right now because of these, the Fed has been raising short-term interest rates to curb inflation. But I tell people, it's like having a family on a budget. You got a husband and wife that's on a budget. And if you're not a husband and wife you're something else, change them to whatever works for you. But then the, one person's on the budget. The other person is not on the budget. It doesn't work. That's where we are right now. We have a Fed on the budget, but then you have this government who is saying, you know what, we're going to spend our way out of this. You can't spend your way out of this you need to stop spending.
0: Wouldn't that be nice?
1: <clears throat> yeah. Cause that's how it doesn't that work at home. You just keep spending and spending and they bail you out.
0: No, mm-hmm, not, nobody's coming to my rescue. And then I'm... you look
1: at the, you look at the banks that have failed. There's been three of them, right? The one in Silicon Valley here that failed, our governor had three accounts in there for his wineries. Oh my. Why do you think that they said, Hey, by the way, we're going to cover all the accounts. Not only that, you know, to the max, not 250,000, like they're supposed to do, but because, and that's why I'm talking about politics. And, and then also there were some co- companies from China in there that uh, also had to be covered. And I don't want to get into any more than that, but that's, we're doing things that normally we wouldn't do as a, as a government. And as a people, we are, we're, we're military. We're patriotic. We care about this country. Mm-hmm. And I got to say the person who said it best was John Rambo. In one of his movies, when he when he asked him, John, what do you want? And he says, I want when everybody else who came over here and spilled their guts for this country is for this country to love us as much as we love it. And that's the situation we have right now. Right. Um, our government doesn't love us as much as we love this country.
0: Nope. our government is just there to build its uh, power base. And yeah. that's I mean, once because once it's built, you can't get rid of it. Right. That's the problem,
1: and once they give certain social programs, you can't take them away either. Nope. That's why they're like spin, spin, spin. Give us the you know the fifty-seven trillion or some ridiculous amount for green energy. What's it going to do? How's it going to lower the temperature? They can't even answer that. Yeah, they don't want it for that. They want going to use it for something else. Oh, we didn't need it for that. We're now putting it over
0: here. Which is why they're. Now the big, I'm kind of getting a little off track, but we're, that's fine. <laughs> um, well, but, no, but we're talking about the biggest challenges right now. Yeah. Interest rates.
1: Interest rates are up because of all of this that we right. just went through. That the, the they've been coming down a little bit because inflation has been in check. And we have all these jobs supposedly out there that are available for people. 9 million, 9.5 million jobs. Mm-hmm. There's 6 million people on unemployment. Well, get off
0: unemployment and go get a job. Yeah, that's the interesting thing is you know, people trying to find employees, and you've got six plus million on on unemployment, but yet nobody's going to find a job. And it but I know one of my clients, their hiring practices, it takes them forever to hire somebody, mm-hmm. which I it's how it should be. Uh, well, it hire. yes and no. <laughs> I, I mean hire slow, fire fast. Mm -hmm. That's all I meant. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's interesting watching the hiring processes and that's, I mean, um, but so with your experience as a veteran in, in how did that shape your perspective on what you're doing today?
1: Well, first I have to say, when I got out of the service, I ran away from it. Mm -hmm. You understand what I mean by that? Oh
0: yeah. A lot
1: of people don't understand that, but when I got out, nobody loved me as much as we love our vets right now. Right. Um, After nine 11, all of a sudden everybody woke up again and vets are very important. Yeah. Right. Prior to that, when I was in San Diego and I'm no known hit in San Diego, but they didn't love us. They Mm -hmm. didn't like the fact that we were there. Right. (laughs) You were a nuisance. Right. Right. And that's kind of how I felt when I was there you couldn't tell i was in the service because i had longer hair than than i do now. yes, i'm bald, but that's beside the point. you know, i did it to the max you could potentially grow your hair. i yep. I, mean, I knew the regs like it would nobody's business back then. same thing my son does. I wonder where he got that from. uh and uh you know, it's just so what did i the way i treat people is the way they should they want to be treated. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's basically yep. when you're in the service, every, you treat everybody the same way. Everybody should be the same way. Uh, I grew up. My dad was a bigot and I can say that. So I'm not at all. So when people have issues with other cultures and other things, I don't get it because I live that. and I'm like, that's ridiculous. And my mom wasn't much better. And so when mm-hmm. I came in the service, I wasn't that way. And I've never been that way ever since. My dad died of that's his flag back there, hairy cell leukemia. Mm-hmm. When I was 12 years old, and unfortunately, it was the best thing for me because he one didn't deal with his PTSD, uh-huh. so he beat the shit out of us, and and then he was the you know the way that a lot of people are during that period of time and how they grew up. He was an Iowa farm boy, so they were very racist. Uh-huh. So oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. and no, I'm I- saying
1: all Iowa farm boys are. I'm just telling you at that time those people. Right, I'm not. I don't want to hear anybody send me letters. You said
0: Iowa people. No, I'm not saying Iowa people. I'm just saying my dad was. All
1: right.
0: Yeah, I've got acronyms for Iowa since I grew up in South Dakota, but we won't go into that right now. (laughs) All right. Uh, So tell us about a time you overcame a significant challenge in your career and how you did it.
1: Well, the I have to say the worst time of my career was 2008. Oh, with the financial. Oh, the huge. Yeah, you and and actually. That was the one of the worst and recently, one of the worst is when someone when you go I've been in this business for 27 years, mm-hmm. never seen interest rates go four percent up in less than six months. Mm-hmm. We've seen them go up one and a half, two percent, but not and that's not you know that's not really a major deal. right. So this back in 2008, I mean, I lost everything. That's how bad it was. There was nobody doing anything because everything was a financial crisis. So what I came back, and I was in the lending industry still, but what I did mm-hmm. is I helped negotiate short sales for people. Okay. You know what a short sale was right back then. It's
0: basically Educate what happens me. when
1: you owe more on your house than it's worth. Yep. Instead of walking away with foreclosure, you work with the bank to have them sell it at a discount so that it goes away. Because what happened was in California, if you just walked away, that thing wouldn't sell for four years. And then somebody would move in there and it would be a problem and affect you later. And that's... I, and that's what happened. I guess I think it's South Dakota where they shut down the pipeline, the oil pipeline, and around that same uh, period of time, was it? You know, it, it was
0: through, through multiple states.
1: Well, they shut it down back in like 2008 to 2010, and a lot of people lost their jobs and their mm-hmm. homes. Those homes took till 2019 to go through on foreclosures. Some of those. Why so long? That's I have no idea. Wow. I'm just saying in, in certain states, they have judicial foreclosures and they have mm-hmm. regular foreclosures. In our state, I just started negotiating short sales. And before I knew it, I had a huge amount of volume of that. Plus, I still was doing loans because when you negotiate short sales, it's the same documents, the same everything you do for a loan. So it was not a big deal. And then I ended up getting a bunch of agents I worked for and said, "says I'll do this for you guys. Just go get them. And that's oh. what he did. So how do you and how I overcame it was just retooling into something else and then it took a good you know in our area we were a bedroom community Modesto for the Bay Area. We hit the bottom in 2008 but we didn't come back up until probably 2012 2013.
0: Well, it took you guys
1: a while then yeah just because of the fact that it just took a while for people to come back and and you know and a lot of people didn't have jobs a lot of people had a lot of other issues going on during that period time but it was a benefit for a lot of people though during that period of time where they could actually if they had a job buy a house at a very discount and then fast forward to today the they have you know $500,000 in equity or $4,000 yeah. in equity it's and it, and it's the best thing they can do is to buy a house no matter what time it is we're not going to see a huge drop in most places there's real estate is regional there's going to be some places that's going to have problems But overall, nationwide, we're not gonna have a problem. In the last six months, we kept telling people you need to buy now and then adjust their interest rates later, refinance later. Because right now, people are working with you to to sell you the house, give you money for closing costs, money to buy the rate down, and then refinance in a year to two years from now. And everybody's like, you're crazy, you're crazy. Well, guess what? We're already back now over asking, and we don't even have rates below six percent.
0: Wow. So well, fast forward to today, how is the um, like the lending industry today, I mean, it has loans picked up based on the interest rates where we are today?
1: There, so right now, so in any, so if we go back and look at two two things, I want to look at. Back in 2008, three quarters of the people had a FICO score in the around the 640 range. Okay, only a quarter of them had them at 740. Fast forward to today, it's complete opposite. Three quarters of the people have a 700 or greater FICO score. And only a quarter of them have a low FICO score. So we've actually done a lot to get people to understand how important credit is and how to fix it. So this whole thing that came through recently with Biden and the drop of the interest rate and whatever, you know, where you have to, if you have good credit, you have to pay for somebody who has lower credit. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not going to use that program that he he says that he's helping out. They're going to use FHA. Oh, gotcha. So what's happening is, and I know I kind of got off subject from your question, but I'm going to answer it in a second. So back during the boom of when we were refinancing, we had $12 trillion in mortgages. We refinanced $10 trillion of it nationwide, put so many people in 2% and 3% interest rates. And during that period of time, Fannie and Freddie came out and said, hey, for the benefit, we're going to charge a half a percent just to refinance. So you fast forward to today with, and that went away. Well, now they're saying, okay, for the since you have good credit, we're going to charge you 1% more just because you have good credit and we're going to tell you, we're going to help other people with that program. They they won't because nobody's going to take a 650 or 640 FICO score will not go conventional at all. It's too expensive. They're going to go FHA. So basically it's just mm-hmm. another, I don't want to say money grab, but basically that's what it is. If you look at Fannie and Freddie, they used to be private institutions mm-hmm. in 2008, they were taken over by the government put in receivership and they should have been pushed out of receivership ship a long time ago but they're making billions off of them, so why would they let them
0: go? Oh, no wonder they've got a cash cow, sitting there.
1: Why would right? They? And now they even added one more percent that's going to go right into their pocket because it's not going to go anywhere. So you're no. asking, oh, how did I? How does it change? Well, how it changes the government's controlling. They got VA, FHA, USDA, and now they got conventional, and you know which is Fannie and Freddie. They own the mortgage market, so they control things like they never controlled before. Wow, and
0: there's there's a lot of things they're trying to control. We won't go into those today, though. Yeah, us. Yeah, biggest thing is us. Well, and that's why they, you know, now they're talking about the digital currency and the Feds getting involved with that. And well,
1: once we get off, if we get off the dollar, so one of the biggest push right now is got China, Russia, and uh, one of the other ones I can't remember. Bricks. Yeah, Yeah, they all want to get off the dollar and create their own currency. Well, right now, when, they, when oil is sold, it's sold in dollars, no sure. matter what currency is. So that dollar is used a lot. If they get off the dollar standard, it's going to really hurt the United States. And sure. that's we—that's the problem going forward is, and a good friend of mine says, the reason he hates crypto is that same reason. Is huh. if they start doing crypto, and then they'll start using that for oil to buy oil with, and then they're gonna, no one's going to use the dollar, and then our dollar is going to crash.
0: Doesn't look good where we're heading.
1: Uh, needs to. Well, you know how you can make the change.
0: There's this thing called voting. I vote every time, and it doesn't do any good in this state. Well, <laughs> you see, I know. <laughs> well, that's.
1: But pain causes people to change. As I found, being on radio on a conservative radio station, I'm. Most people are in the middle. Yeah, you have the fringes that are on the left and the right sure. that makes are the loudest and makes the noise and messes yep. up things. But us in the middle need to come together and go, this is ridiculous. We're making changes and you, you can't vote. The problem was last election, people voted against something, not for something. Half the people who voted, voted against Trump. The other half voted for him. You right. should have, they all should have came together and vote and they, and the, you know, we don't like his tweets. We don't like this. Well, how do you
0: like where we are now? Yeah. I mean, right. it's, but I mean, in this state, you've got three counties that really control the the politics and those counties are, you know, King Pierce and uh, Spokane County. And they really, they do control the state politics. And so it's, it's, the challenges is here is, um, <clears throat> you know, election integrity. And I know mm-hmm. that's a huge topic. It's everywhere. Yeah. Election integrity here has been under scrutiny for a long time and no one our state says they're transparent but they're not i mean they're one of the worst so but um we have the same problem um and here it's it's the coastal
1: people who control the state yeah the at liberal they call them the liberal elites well you, but there is enough of us to stand up and say this enough is enough, and it's and a lot of them have are starting to leave, and they're having getting taxed drastically, and they're doing you know there's so much going on that eventually things will change. The problem in California happened was when we had Governor Schwarzenegger b- before he left, he slapped this thing on the ballot last minute where it said the top two people. Not the top two parties, but the top two people hit, are on the election. So that's how we get two Democrats to run now. So it was a Republican who screw, screwed up the system in California, trying to keep control when in reality it messed it up.
0: Interesting. Right, we're, we're way are off you, subject, buddy. Anyway. Yeah, we are. That's
1: fine. But doing business in states like – you, you look at um, the dude from the shark tank. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Wonderful. Kevin, oh, Ola, Kevin Leary. Yeah. He he was talking on CNN the other day and he was saying how horrible New, New York is and California is for businesses. And, the, you know, two of the anchors are like, that's not the whole story. He's like, yes, it is. I tried to put businesses in these places and they are not business friendly. I took this huge company I had and I put it to Norway because of that. Wow. And that's the problem. The businesses aren't going to come to these states. And so the states are going to have to change.
0: Well, that's why you got Tesla moving out of California. Was, now they're back. Oh, they came back? Oh, wow. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not paying attention to Tesla. No, honestly. I'm just
1: saying, that you, you, but because Texas isn't the greatest place to be, right? You have to look at, what I mean is, look at the cost of living. Look what you make there. Oh, yeah. In California, nurses make out of school 150 grand a year. They don't make that in Texas.
0: No, not
1: even close. Right. And our cost of living is expensive here, but if you look at the taxes there, right? You don't have the you don't have the income tax for the state, and, but you got the property taxes, you have the other taxes. Mm-hmm. You really need to run numbers. I have more people I know who left or are coming back.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Just because of all that. And and the other thing is a lot of them said as much as I hate the politics in California, I want to see my grandkids. Yeah.
0: I understand that. That's more important.
1: Yeah. But that's, but those that pain changes things. People make decisions for two, because of two reasons, pleasure and pain. And pain. And pain is coming and a lot more. And I t- said this, you know, like I told you, I was on radio and I also do a lot of live filling in for other people. And I said, and I was asked the question, are we going to see a change in this last election? I'm like, no people. I said, I hope nothing changes with the gas. Nothing changes with this. Cause we need the pain for people to make good decisions and again, we only had 58% come out to vote in Stanislaus County.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's, that's similar to here. We don't have great, great voting, unfortunately, but I know there's, it's, um, and, and you're right. It's the pain, which is why we're looking to move, leave Washington state, because it, the pain's becoming uh, as a, not party related, but as a conservative and what I'm seeing in this state, I mean, we could talk for hours, I think between the two different states, but it's are uh, pretty much the same. It, it is. And uh, you guys just outlawed AR 15s, like which they did here. Oh, don't get me started on that. <laughs> Let's not even go there. Cause over the weekend I had to work on one. And of course I broke a, sp- a spring and guess what? I can't even do. I can't even order parts. So I'm I mean, driving
1: it, up there. You let me know what you need. <laughs> first week of June, uh, <laughs> first week of June, I'm coming up there. Cause I got to see my house. I'm bringing up my son's stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's had so I'm just saying let me know I can I can get stuff whatever you need. So you can yeah, edit this out great. or not, I don't care, but um uh, but he's like I'll I can't even in. have my AR there. I'm like no, you missed it by a few days, buddy. Uh he's Close military. On, he he might want to check on that. He he called and the lady said, "Yeah, just bring it in in your prison compartment." Basically up his ass. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I, I I've you know Having but I'm just—I told I, him I, break it apart and mail it to me. I don't care.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's ways to get around it.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, for us, I mean, there used to be a bullet button. Then it had to be a fixed stock. Then it couldn't be that. Oh. Now it has to be all this other stuff, and it's at the point where the, and they're they're being fought in California on. It's in court right now, just like the, you know, over ten rounds because these two things have nothing in common with what's Mm -hmm. going on. uh, That's like saying, you know what? I failed the test because my pencil didn't work. Right. I didn't have it sharp enough. It's my pencil failed the test. Not me. It's not my fault. The pencil didn't write the answers down. That's the same thing. It's us who are that we know the issue is mental illness. We don't have, you know, it was the issue with that is Reagan, you know, had to close a lot of the mental hospitals in California because it was at the point that started with JFK. They were fighting back then to get rid of them. And it had just went finally through the process 20 years later to finally close them all down. Oh, wow. It had nothing to do with him. And that's why a lot of people are like, it was him. He was, no, it was not him. It happened before yeah. they were fighting because they're putting these people in hospitals and not control. Well, mental illness is a big thing and people need mm-hmm. help. Having them on the street is not an answer but nope, we have changing uh, our whole society to control them is not an answer either. So.
0: No, we have, we have way more than our fair share of homeless with mental issues up here. And it's just, it's getting out of hand yeah, I mean, when
1: they don't, and they don't want to come off the streets. Everybody's like, nope. we're trying to help them get out You got 10% who want to leave. Maybe they just, like, they
0: just voted in a. Um, a levy. And so something like $2 billion that they're going to build you know, small homes for these, for the homeless. I'm like, that's not going to work. I mean, they don't want to leave. I've been on the street and serving these folks and none of them want to leave. You ask them if they want to leave. No, I don't want to leave. I mean, the only ones you should be out there
1: helping are veterans because the veterans are on the streets don't necessarily want to be there, but because of their PTSD, um, Mm -hmm. they feel much better outside than in someplace. And they have to, and, and you know how it is if being a veteran dealing with other veterans, people don't. Veterans don't deal with their PTSD until they lose every relationship, usually.
0: Yep, and that's. Um, I mean, the funny, the not funny, the the tragic thing is, I have a Vietnam vet in our post who just was awarded PTSD. A Vietnam vet. He's wow. in his seventies, and he was an infantry. Leader. He was a platoon leader in Vietnam. You know what he saw. I mean, and, and yeah. So, well, hey, let's move to the. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I go that, and that's the issue with, again, our government control and
1: the VA system needs to go away. We just need insurance that's issued to every veteran and say, you can, this can go anywhere, any hospital, any, wherever here's insurance go because you get the top doctors, top everything instead of what we have in the VA system and no knock to them, but they're doing the best they can. But the problem is they shouldn't be doing the best they can. They should be doing amazing. And that only way to do that is get insurance that is the when not Medicare, Medi-Cal type of insurance like that, but with full coverage to where Mm -hmm. it pays that hospital, the full amount of the dollars that it really costs.
0: Yeah. Not the, yeah, not the, and the
1: reason I say that's my wife works for Kaiser. I talked to her about it because every podcast I'm on with helping the brave, everybody I talk to, I'm like, we need to get rid of
0: the system. We need to get insurance and be done with it. And that's, I mean, when I was in, we had what, TRICARE? No, not TRICARE what was that called? Cause I had dependents and that was amazing. I mean, it paid everything. Didn't even, I didn't have to worry about anything. And that's, I mean, and I don't know why we can't have that same type of coverage for veterans. So just, you know, we but, can
1: nobody's been oh, talking about nobody pushes it. Nobody, they think that everybody wants to keep putting money in the VA system. Well, look at the post office, keep putting money on it. It doesn't work. Don't get me started on that one. <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> certain things should, the government shouldn't be involved with. Agreed. Telling us how to control our money, telling us how to do this, telling us how to do that—that's not their job. That's not why we had the founding fathers. And so, agreed. Uh, yeah. All right. Like you said, something about lightning round or something. Yeah.
0: Let's let's jump into the lightning round so we can eventually get this plane landed on the carrier. Um, so, outside of your book, what are your top three books that you'd recommend and why?
1: Uh, top three books. All right. So my favorite book, I'm going to turn around and get it because it's over here. And I've had it forever.
0: Oh yes. Think and grow rich. This is,
1: this is from the, I got this not in the seventies, but it's from the seventies. It's one of the original ones. Yeah. So, yeah. So the issue is, is, and that's think and grow rich. Book wise, hold on. There's somebody outside making noise. Uh, that this is this is basically what you put out there, you get back. Basically, bottom line, right? Yeah. And then the other one is, um, it was a movie called The Secret. It was the same bo- thing; they just changed it into the movie, basically. And uh-huh. they they should have sued them for money, but they didn't. Um, and if you're in selling, my favorite guy is Zig Ziglar. Secrets of Closing the Sell. Oh, I didn't know about that one. This is his original one, man. That's his
0: original? Yeah. Well, yeah. Zig Ziglar. Yeah. So. Oh, I know Zig. Yeah. Uh, Well, don't. Zig got me out of a dark place. So.
1: Actually, I interviewed a vet on, um, and she's out of Las Vegas, and that's what saved her was she was about ready to commit suicide. She went into the library, and the lady's like, go back to that back wall and start listening. She listened to Zig Ziglar, uh, Les Brown, all these different ones, and changed her life. And she talked and she talked about, and I asked her, I said, you know, cause we, she said, said that she had committed and was going to, and went mm-hmm. through the whole thing. And, and that I, I asked questions other people won't ask. I'm like, what stopped you? And then she told the story about how she went into the library. Right. So, yeah. I, so I those, miss, are, miss those are, yeah, those two are the best. Um, and
0: what else? Sorry, it's taking me a second to grab it. No worries. Um. I see you. Guy can't hurt me up there. Yeah, yeah of course. That one you
1: got to listen to the podcast version. Ah. yeah. Um, the sorry for some reason my sound is back on. I apologize. All right, so this guy Steve Sims, Steve D Sims, mm-hmm. blue fishing. I liked his original book. He talks about his whole life about what he went through and how he was in London and when he and we went from London and different places. He, I'm in the mortgage industry. I went to a mortgage conference. He was on stage talking. He talked like nobody else I've ever known. Uh, he wore a black t-shirt where everybody else on stage wore suits and ties. He's like, be true to who you are. Don't be anybody else. I hate the word authentic. That's why I didn't use it. Um, but this is a great book. It's on audible. And he's, he has a new book that's out, um, around here somewhere. Oh, go. Sorry. I apologize. Go for stupid. This wasn't supposed to be a, a whole thing about Steve Sims, but this is a new book. Go for stupid. Basically. It talks about a goals, make huge goals, go for them. And you know, that be that, but in my industry, and this actually works for every industry, Todd Duncan has a book on high trust selling and it, and it talks about how to build that trust to where they want to work with you. Okay. And so I know you said three books, but those are my books that nope, I like. Love it. Yeah. I love um, it. I've, li- I've read everything. I, li- I li- Now I just listen to everything, you know, but for, you know, if you want to know how to own a home and I'm not trying to knock and not try to promote myself, even though I, I am right now, go to getedsbook.com. That's my, it goes to my website. You click on, it, it takes you to Amazon because most people can't spell my last name Parco. So this way they can get right to Amazon when they need to. But the the I wrote the book on the way I qualify somebody, so okay. I talk about credit first. Or actually, I talk about the seventy thousand dollars mistake, which is not acting on buying a house and coming back a couple years later, and then the the fact that that same house is now worth seventy thousand dollars more. Right? You you need to even if you the everybody asks us when's the best time to buy a house, the moment you're thinking about it is the best time to start the process and see where you're at, because there is no time over time make a mistake today and 10 years from now, it's not going to be a big deal. If you paid five grand too much or 10 grand too much, it's not going to matter. We're not going to have that. There's no bubble. The only right. bubble that's out there right now is the opportunity bubble. That opportunity bubble for you to own a home is going away and you got about five years to get in there. Wow.
0: That's coming quick.
1: Well, that's, that's not just me. That's Dave Ramsey. He's been saying the same thing after me. I said it first, but I'll give it to him But because everybody knows him. They don't know me, but he's right. It's like, You have five years before this value, the values are going to be so much higher that the average person will not be able to own a home anywhere. Wow. I mean, in California, we went in my town, we were going up 22% a year, 66% in three years. You guys were doing the same thing. Everywhere was doing the same thing, right? They kind of slowed down a little bit in certain places because of rates. In the next few months, rates are going to go down. And then more and more people. We have such a pent up demand for homes. That that's what people don't understand. And but you also have so many people who don't have to sell because they have such a low payment and they have all this equity. And they're like, I got golden handcuffs. I can't really sell right now because I'd have to buy a bigger house and then it's going to cost me more money. And you know, the average person goes, I need another bedroom for my new kid that's coming. Well, that's a thousand bucks a month. They can live
0: in with my other kid, right? (laughs) So yeah. I mean, yeah, that's I mean, that's true. I mean, when you think about just homes in general i mean homes here are crazy expensive and my
1: son like i said he just bought one there it was and they, he got a good deal on it but it's because of the timing right now is a great time because people are afraid they don't understand that now is the time to buy they're afraid to make that mistake because again what i say nobody well, nobody wants to make a mistake you well there's not a mistake in buying homes Unless we're in 2008, right? Or 2006, that's a wholly different time. We're not there. We're so short on homes. In 2008, when the whole thing fell apart in 2007, actually we had 3.5 million homes on the market. Wow. We have less than a million on the market nationwide. Nationwide?
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Now, if you look at the numbers and the numbers they post about what's homes are active on the market, Mm -hmm. they don't take away the pendings you take away the pendings it's about 40% less
0: so there's only about 600,000
1: there's about 890,000 yeah. yeah. wow wow <laughs> so when people go i can't you know it's a bad time everybody keeps telling me when's about when's going to when's the housing market going to it's
0: not it's on it's way the other way well, good for homeowners. I mean, that, I mean, that's a win, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, it is getting expensive just to go anywhere. I mean, there's... it's
1: expensive to buy. I mean, the average price of home anywhere is expensive. Yeah. Cause, and if you add all the other stuff, like, yeah, I can go, I used to be able to go to Texas and buy a really nice house for 400,000, but it really cost me 600,000 with taxes and everything else. Well, I can buy a decent house in California for five fifty six hundred. So why not just stay
0: <laughs> and you make wow. more money. That's. I mean, I didn't know homes are still at five fifty, six hundred and not California. in the
1: Bay Area, not in L.A., oh, not in San gotcha. Diego. Okay, and yeah, yeah, unfortunately, when people go, I'm from San Diego, they say they mean they're in the, down in El, you know, El, Cer- El Segundo. Yeah. yeah, way down there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I in interviewed hallway. a vet, uh, uh, a female veteran who retired uh, out of the Marine Corps. And she's like, I'm in so-and-so. I'm like this far away from the border. I'm like, then why do you say you're in San Diego? Why live there? Yeah. When I lived in in North County, I was on the beach, by the beach. you know. Or when I wasn't by the beach, I was a few blocks away. If I'm not going to be that close, why be there?
0: Well, I know. We were just in – well, we were in Fort Irwin back in January. My son was promoted uh, to major, and he was getting – um and appreciate that it all goes to him I no know, we but raised he, yeah. we raised him right
1: when you can raise i have five you can raise them all right you want doesn't mean they're going to
0: come out that way that is true we're we're blessed we are truly blessed in that way uh but yeah it was i mean barstow was there and barstow was like oh i, I that's an oh, interesting place 29 stumps man there is a was a 29, logistics palms, not 29 yeah, yeah, yeah 29 stumps. Yeah. Yeah. If you really know. Yeah. 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 So where can I where can my audience go to learn more about you?
1: At Parko, everywhere.
0: At Parco. There you so go. So one of the things you
1: need to learn as a business owner when you're doing anything, get your name the same across every channel. Facebook should be the same as Instagram, as t- Twitter, as um. TikTok as YouTube, your name needs to be the chain the same across every LinkedIn. It's all mine's Ed Parco the same everywhere. Yes, I have a unique last name, but there's only about fifteen to twenty of us in the United States. The rest of it's in Europe and the add a L in. But you can always add your middle initial. That's why when I said Steve D Sims, because there's a wrestler named Steve Sims. He's not the wrestler. He's the other guy. He's the other guy. He's the author. So that's so when, and so that way you can, when you're talking, you can say I'm Ed Parco everywhere. My website's edparco.com.
0: Yeah, that's beanvandyke.com is mine, but yeah, it's and not they, consistent across all the channels. Well, you need to get on that. I'll uh, work on that. <laughs> Cause I mean, <laughs> that's great advice. The biggest head,
1: the biggest thing for me is people never spell my name right, right? It's uh-huh. Parco, P A R C A U T. They always mess up the A and the U. So guess what? My domain still goes there. Because I mess up my you misspell your name with a couple of domains and have it sent over to the same domain, your actual domain. You follow me? However, people mess oh, up yeah. the spelling of your name. Some people put an extra A in my name, P A R A. Yeah, like paraquat. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's good to know. Well, hey Ed, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Uh, I greatly appreciate having you on. Very insightful conversation. And uh well folks, thank you for listening to From Battle to Business with our special guest, Ed Parco. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. In order to help others, please subscribe and share this show up with other veteran business owners in your network. If you want specific guidance, feel free to book a complimentary call with Dean at DeanVandyke.com. Remember, you wouldn't go into battle alone, and now you don't have to in business.